0: This morning, we're going to jump into God's Word in the book of Acts, and so I want you to just make your way over there, and as you're finding yourself to the book of Acts chapter 16, I want us to just uh, consider a couple of things, some lessons out of this out of this uh, text, and at the end of service, I do want to share one more announcement with you guys, and so before you guys, we jump into the Word, give you a little insight into, into my week, into my life, um, I live on a narrow one-way road in Marlborough, and my street being narrow and one way causes a couple of, you know, dynamics that we have to account for. And for the last two weeks, there's been some construction happening, you know, several houses down causing the street to be closed. And it's been particularly annoying in the morning as I encounter that closed street. I've not really mastered something. I got to admit it to you guys. I have not mastered how to, you know, get ourselves ready in the morning, you know, uh, make a breakfast, pack lunches, and then get an often uncompliant toddler out the door dressed and, you know, somewhat presentable. I haven't mastered it yet. So if you guys got some tips and tricks, I'm all ears. All right. All right. Uh, it's sometimes hard enough to just pick an outfit that I'm going to be wearing for the day. And so I got to take care of breakfast and, and getting ready and packing lunches. And absolutely, my wife is an incredible blessing. She helps in all of that, so it's great. But I'm still trying to hone in and master that morning routine. And so you can imagine that when I pull up to that stop sign just a few houses down from my house, and I met with that detour sign that says, Road Closed. You know, joy is not the emotion that's swelling up inside of me at that moment. Especially since most of these days, I have to admit, I've been running a little bit late and a little bit behind schedule. You know, those mornings when there's staff meeting and I'm like, I got to get there before the staff. I got to make sure that I'm there because, you know what, there's things to get ready. Or, you know what, I have signed up to get my kid in daycare at a certain time. I'm paying for that time slot. And I'm behind schedule and so it is extremely frustrating in the morning when I meet that closed road detour sign and so I have to take three different rights and head back over to a congested downtown Marlboro before I can finally you know go off in an alternate path and get back on the route I need to go in the morning aren't those detours annoying you know especially when time is tight, detours can be absolutely annoying. And then what about this? When you forget this thing, how many of uh, I, I live on a one-way road, so if I forget this at home, I have to go all the way past my road. I can't turn around. There's, there's no other side outlet roads. I got to keep on going and make this humongous circle back home, and I've already lost, like, you know, about seven minutes of my commute if I do that. And uh, so it's not fun. Aren't those detours annoying when we especially do not know the territory and we don't have a GPS? They can be frustrating. One time I I met with a detour and the very first street that was blocked had a detour sign and it said, go this way, follow the signs. And I went that way, but there were no additional signs after that. And I did not know where I was. That was super frustrating. I know that all of you saints would just be like, wow, God, this is an awesome adventure. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm excited. Today's going to be an awesome, incredible journey. But I, in those moments, have to admit, I get frustrated. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. One of the reasons that those detours are so annoying and frustrating is because we like to be in control of our path, don't we, church? We love being in control of our path. We like calling the shots and knowing where we're going. We love green lights and open doors. We want the comfortable and the predictable path, and that is what we want to sign up for. Yet life doesn't quite always work out that way, does it? The Christian life especially does not work out that way. If someone told you it does, you were sold to Bill of Goods and you need to go back and have a conversation. It doesn't always work out that way. But I love the fact that in this book God is aware of his plan and his path and his purpose for us. He's aware of that scripture that we are to trust in him, acknowledge him and let him direct our path. He is so aware of that tendency within us to want to control and meet the green lights and the open doors and not to experience any tension that he leaves us some incredible stories and some experiences in the lives of men of faith that we can learn from. And so this morning I want us to turn to one such afternoon one such day, whether it was morning, night, afternoon, I don't know, but I want to turn to one situation here in Acts chapter 16, and I want us to just extract some lessons and explore some ideas that are found within these directions from a detour, a detour that God orchestrated that can teach us some incredible things and prepare us as we journey through this life. I don't know about you, but I am always in seek and desiring to have God's direction in my life. I want to know where to go and how to react and what to do as he is leading and guiding in this journey. So if you're in Acts chapter uh, 16, say amen. We're going to start off in verse 6. It says this, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately, he sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word, and I pray that in this encounter, this experience that Paul and his missionary team encountered, that Lord God, we would be able to mind some truths and realize how it is that you choose to lead us and guide us that, Lord, as we choose to follow after you and lean on your understanding, your plans, that you, Lord God, truly make our paths straight. Equip your Holy Spirit around every person to hear your words, take them into practice, and live a life that is fulfilling, aimed and directed by your presence. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. This morning... I want us to look at Paul's experience. Here we have a group of men who have been seeking to serve the Lord and share the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever they possibly can. Up to this point in the book of Acts, the 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 church has been born. God had Jesus had said to the the church, I want you to wait in Jerusalem from the promise of the Father that I will send you, that will endue you with power from on high, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. They waited. They experienced the, the, the day of Pentecost and received the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And they were speaking in tongues and prophesying of God's wonders and marvels in languages that they did not know. And people were coming to faith. Men and women were hearing and they were cut to the heart as these apostles were preaching the word of God, the good news. And they would ask, What should we do to be saved? And the apostles would say, Repent, turn from your ways, turn from that which is wrong and wicked, move away from your sins. With with remorse and repentance, and turn to God and be baptized as we're going to be baptized next week, right? Some of us be baptized for the remission of sins and the forgiveness, and, 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 and following after the Lord. And so, these men and women have been on this mission. The church is born, and they're preaching more and more boldly. And now people, not only of the Jewish heritage, are coming to know the Lord. There's men and women who are on the peripheral, those who are Gentiles, those who never experienced the relationship of, of being included in God's covenant people. These are men and women who, who are seeing God's blessing, and God's word, and hearing the good news of the gospel by their Jewish brothers, and they're wanting to experience it themselves. So the, the council of apostles, these men and women who have followed Jesus, have decided that they're going to preach the gospel as the Lord has opened up this experience to be not just for those who were his people, but for all as Jesus promised go into the world and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you and so they were off Paul went in a direction and we have you know Barnabas going in another and these men have gone and established preaching the word of God to several different regions and cities and states and and now there's churches being birthed in all Uh, around the known world and here on this second missionary journey, Paul and his team are continuing in that mission to preach the good news of Jesus to everyone that they can and share the wonderful life that's available, the wonderful hope that's available in Jesus Christ who was the sinless, perfect son of God, who came down leaving eternity, that he would take on the form of man, empty himself to the point of death and death on the cross, paying for the sacrifice that was necessary to to cancel out the debt and the weight of sin as Pastor Xavier shared last week. The righteousness of God alone could have done that for us and reconciled us to God. And now they're preaching that good news. And so, the very first observation that I want us to understand as we're contemplating that in this detour, we see that there is a, a, a change, a stop sign that is given. There is, you know, a closed road that they encounter as these men are going forward. They are preaching. Things are working. It's exciting. People are being saved. Uh, churches are being established. And there's men and women who are coming and joining the way. They they are listening to the message of the good news of Jesus Christ and they are signing up. They are joining the army and joining the movement. Things are going well and Paul has intention to continue moving eastward. He wants to get into Asia Minor. He wants to get into Asia and, and step his way into that region of the world as he continues to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they come up to this detour. So the first thing that I want us to understand, that if we're going to encounter God's direction, if we want to be redirected, we're going to take some lessons when we find these closed doors in our lives, is that number one, God direction, God's direction rarely comes to those who are inactive. It tells us in verse six, and they went through. I feel like far too many people are waiting They're stuck on the sidelines of life waiting for some dramatic start or an invitation. Too many people are waiting for this incredible, amazing opportunity to materialize in their lives or for this incredible epiphany to grip them. And finally they can step into the fray, get into the arena and start doing that which they feel the Lord has called them to do. There's too many people even in the church world that sometimes believe that they can't serve God. They they haven't been activated in their faith. Why? Because there hasn't been this grand invitation or call. The pastor never gave me a call so I can't do anything for God. There's never been this incredible moment where I heard, you know, the voice from heaven like Paul from his, on the Damascus road, the heavens didn't part and the voice of God didn't beam down, therefore I haven't gotten involved. But this Macedonian call did not come to an inactive people, it came to men who were actively serving the Lord. As Paul and his team of Silas and other followers, Timothy, got involved in this mix, and we're going to find that Luke joins them in this process. As these men are going forward, spreading the good news, as they are actively engaged in serving and preaching, the direction from God is made clear. As these men are moving, God gives his word. Paul and his team, they're not sitting down waiting and twiddling their thumbs, waiting just for the clarity that they need. These guys are on the move. They're not waiting for the download and waiting for all of the things to be made right. They are actively pursuing God and doing what they think is right. On this second journey, they said, hey, we've been preaching the gospel and establishing churches. We're going to keep doing the same thing, and we're just going to keep on going. That seems to be right. It seems to be working. That seems to be what God would want us to do, right? He said, go and preach and teach and baptize. We're doing that. So we're going to continue on doing that. And they did not wait back in Antioch for God to drop a map in their laps. They got going, and in the process, clarification was granted. See, we can turn, those of us who've learned how to drive and have driver's licenses, or those of us who are hopeful to one day be driving, right? We've gotten behind the wheel of a car, and we can turn that steering wheel all we want, all day long while that car is parked. But until that car starts moving, we aren't going in any specific direction. We're going to be stuck right there. And so you, you can't sit around and pray all day that God will reveal to you his plan and purpose for your life. We can't sit around and just say, I'm gonna read the Bible till I am blue in the face, till I know everything and I have all the trivia. I can quote scripture, I can memorize books of the Bible, which is all important, we should read the word of God. But we cannot just say, I'm gonna sit here and just keep reading this thing. I'm gonna sit here and just keep praying. I'm just gonna keep going to church service and church service and I'm, one day God's gonna activate me. One day God's gonna tell me where to go. He's gonna tell me what to do, amen, amen. Pursue the Lord, but you know what? We need to start getting active. We need to just get into the mix and start doing something. Start doing something to serve Jesus and he will direct your path. Start doing something to serve that dream. Start doing something to establish that purpose that you feel God's birthed inside of your heart. Don't wait for it all to come together and everyone to show up. Don't wait for Shark Tank to say, hey, I want to invite you onto the show and I want to just give you a whole bunch of money so that you can go ahead and do the thing that you want to do. We need to start doing some things and in the process, clarity comes. Amen? Patricia, I know you're in service today, and I was super encouraged by your attitude. I just want to shout you out for a second. You know, even though you weren't sure, I remember the conversation. You said, I don't know what God has for me to do, exactly the ministry he wants me to do, and how he wants me to serve him, but you know what? I'm going to do something, and so I commend your attitude because you have been an incredible blessing in our cafe ministry, so thank you for doing that. You said, I don't know what it's going to be, but God, you're going to show me and lead me to the place you want me to go, and how I can use my passion for God to make a difference in someone else." So I commend you for that. We are going to receive direction when we get active. These men went about going, and they received clarity from the Lord. Number two, if we want to experience direction from God and encounter the lessons he would have, even in a closed door, we, some of us, need to stop cursing God's closed doors, and rather we need to look for his open door. We need to stop cursing God's closed door, and rather... Look for his open one instead. Notice in verse 6 how these men were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. That, that's the province in western Turkey if we look at the modern map today. And then in verse seven, it says, they tried to go north into Bithynia near the Black Sea, but the spirit of Jesus did not permit them. By the way, there, there is an incredible connection here with the Trinity of God. The, the Holy Spirit did not allow them. The, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And then it's gonna say that, that God himself did not allow them. It's a perfect image of the Trinity of God, although that word is never used within the scriptures. We serve a triune God, a God in three persons, amen? And so, They are banned. They are blocked. There are two closed door. And at first, when I read this, I'm scratching my head thinking, what? I read this passage, and, and I got to admit, I've read it before, and I'm saying, Lord, what's going on here? What is it that, you know, blocks these men from going into this place? Is it that you don't want the people of Asia and Bithynia to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Like, what is it? Did they do something wrong? Like, what's wrong with these people? Are they just not good enough that you said, hey, they can't have it? And absolutely not. Is The reason, the question, the, the answer is clear. If we read this scripture, it says here that he wishes that none should perish, but that all should encounter eternal life. So I know that the answer is an absolute resounding no. He absolutely wants them to experience the gospel and the good news. But at this particular venture, at this particular moment, he does not want this group of men going into this region of the world to preach the gospel. God in his sovereignty, in his plan, decided that it is not yet time for them to go there. And if we were to read the rest of Acts in chapter 18, in, verse, in chapter uh, 24, if we were to read 1 Peter and read from another apostle, that in fact the gospel did make its way into those regions. There are, you know, uh, uh, Peter starts greeting his letter. He says, greet the people in this region, the churches in this region. So believers were established. The church was, was, was established in those places. But at this moment in time, the Holy Spirit, sovereign in his work, knowing the end from the beginning, understanding the parameters and the details and the variables in the mix, he decided it is not this moment, the right time, that Paul, Silas, Luke, and Timothy make their way into Asia and Bithynia. It wasn't the timing. It wasn't his plan. And it's not that, you know, the Europeans, because he's going to direct them to Macedonia, he's going to sh- um, lead them to a different place. It's not that the Europeans deserved it better than the Bithynians and Asians. It's not that at all. It was God's plan. It's all by his sovereign plan. And the gospel does not come to people based on their merit. It doesn't come to people based on their goodness. It comes to people by God's sovereign, unmerited grace, as Pastor Xavier was sharing last week, his righteousness. Though the Spirit closed two different doors, Luke does not communicate one time. I don't see it in this gospel here, in this Acts of the Apostle. I do not see the fact that they are complaining or bemoaning at one point in time. They're not like the man over there trying to wedge the door open. Uh, Asia, open up your doors. Bithynia, I'm going to kick it down. I'm going to ramrod this thing right here. I need to, oh, I can't believe that this door is closed. I can't believe God said no to me. I had such great plans to eat such great food in Asia. I was gonna experience the wonders of God as I served people in this place. I had a people that I just absolutely needed to see, a place that I absolutely wanted to go. This is the timing that I had in mind. This is the exact plan. I mapped this thing out. There is not one shred of complaints on either of their lips, not one of them. Sulking in the corner, worried and frustrated that God has closed this door, not one of them. Paul never cursed the closed doors. Friends, we're gonna encounter some closed doors in our lives. Yes, there's some doors that the enemy will close because Paul says in one of his epistles that the enemy kept him from visiting Galatia or visiting another church that he wanted to go to. But yet it tells us directly in this scripture right here that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, that God himself blocked their way and closed their path on that particular time and redirected them somewhere else. There will be rerouting in our lives, church. There will be some doors that will not open for us When we desire them to be open. And in those moments, are we going to get bitter? In those moments where we are forced to be recalculated, rerouted, are we going to become bitter and bemoan and curse the closed door? Are we going to look for God's blessing in what he's trying to open? Are we going to say, Lord, if you're closing this door, there must be a reason. Because I have read your book. I have read your word. And when you decide to close a door, there is no man that can open it. And when, God, there's a closed door that you want open, there is no power, no principality. There's no height nor death, no, no angel or demon that can keep that door closed before me. We don't know how the Holy Spirit forbade these men from going forward we don't know how he blocked them from getting into Asia maybe it could have been through some audible voice maybe like Paul on that journey to Damascus they finally heard they heard a voice from heaven the bible doesn't tell us maybe it wasn't a voice maybe God used Silas who was known to have been a prophet in the scriptures if we read and find him preaching and prophesying maybe Silas got a prophetic word and it said we're not going this route God wants us to go this way instead Maybe it could have been that they just did not have internal peace, and that blocked their way. They're trying to go into Asia, and something does not feel right. Something inside of them is saying, ah, this is not the time. Something inside of them is saying, all right, the time has passed. It's not now. I, I need to, There's something else I'm sensing God wants us to do in this moment. It could have been that. Maybe it could have been a physical illness on Paul's part because, after all, who is Luke? Luke is called the physician. Luke was one of the men who became instrumental in Paul's life and adding value of, uh, of taking care of Paul in all of Paul's weaknesses. Paul went through the ringer. He encountered some closed doors. And even in this passage, down the road, as God redirects them, he's going to encounter some turmoil and some pain as there's going to be persecution coming his way. And where is the great physician, Luke? Right there by his side to tend to some of his wounds and take care of some of his ailments. Maybe the illness that Paul faced or an issue that he was facing caused him to link up with Luke and that in itself did not allow them to continue going into Asia Minor. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us how or why um, the Holy Spirit did it in that moment. But church, the point is we need to learn to recognize God's leading and we need to get excited about what he's leading us into. We need to get excited by recognizing if this is the Lord who's closing this door, why am I going to hit against it and start cursing him for closing it for me? Because if he's closed it, there is a purpose and a reason. And if he's closed this door, I know that my God is a God that always has something better. The Bible tells us no ear has seen, no eye uh, no ear has heard, no ear ha- uh, eye has seen what the Lord has prepared for those who love him, right? That he has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And so he's preparing something that's immeasurably more than what we could ever ask for or imagine. And so are we going to curse the door? Are we going to? look for the open one. If we're concerned about finding and meeting God's direction in the detours of our lives, then we need to understand that God's progressive turn-based GPS is way better than a static detailed map. God's progressive turn-by-turn GPS is way better than a static detailed map. It tells us, verse 8, so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Paul was feeling his way through in this journey. I I bet you if you were to ask him in that moment, hey, Paul, two closed doors. You can't go to Asia. You can't go to Bithynia. Hey, Paul, where are we going next? How are you feeling? What's going to happen? What's our plan? What's our attack strategy? What's going to happen, Paul? I bet you that Paul in that moment, if he he could be honest and transparent and humble, he would have said to you guys, I don't know. I'm just going to keep doing what I know to be right. But I don't know. Come back and check with me a few minutes later. Come check back with me tomorrow. Hey, come come and ask me after I've prayed a little bit and and sought the the Lord's direction and guidance here. But hey, I can't tell you where we're going next and which city we're going to be at. But hey, maybe we can try this one over here. Yet he headed in the direction away from Asia and he kept on going. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Now look at verse nine. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Friends, I found this to be true in my life, and I believe that some of us can can witness this and say, Amen. That usually knowing God's will is like driving in the fog. Knowing God's will for our lives is like driving in the fog. The visibility is blocked. The route potentially is unclear. We don't know exactly all of the turns that we're going to make, but the blessing for those who are courageous enough to get into the driver's seat of the car and start driving is this, that we have a GPS with us, that God is there for his word says, hey, though the world fades away, my word remains the same. Though the heavens and earth will pass away, my word will come to completion. We know that he has promised us that he would be with us to the very ends of the age. So go baptize, go preach, go teach, go do all that stuff and know I am with you to the very ends of the age. If we get into the car and we decide to follow after Jesus, to seek after his direction, it does not matter if we have the whole map. And by the way, we know that maps get outdated, don't we? My wife has a, has a car with navigation in it and you know what, it, it, it had a map and sometimes we're using her car and we're trying to go to a place that we don't know and all of a sudden we come to a crossroads, we come to a place that just doesn't make sense and the GPS is not accounted for because that thing is out of date. How many of us are asking God for a map, for a detailed plan of what he wants us to do and where he wants us to go, and we think that if we get that thing all mapped out and all clear, then it's going to be good, we're golden, we can move forward in confidence and boldness, but the reality is a map does not account for all the variables and all the changes. But if you have the map maker, if you have the one who knows the path from the end and the beginning, and he is by your side, he is in the car with you, it doesn't matter if you have it all together or you know the exact plan, plan and path that you're going, you have the one who knows it all, and he will tell you turn by turn. The word says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light onto my path. For us, following after the cloud, following after Jesus, following after his pillar of fire like the Israelites did in, in the Exodus... We follow after God. He gives us enough so that we know our next step. And often I've learned this. Sometimes God is purposely silent and he does not tell us a single thing because he's given us enough clarity. He's given us enough knowledge to know what is right and what is wrong and what we should do generally. And so he waits for us to take that first path as his word has given us enough light for that path and when we take that step finally he says good job now let me give you the next one some of us are waiting for him to just show us the entire journey And I've I've shared my testimony with you guys before. When I came to faith and I got serious about my faith once more and I was worried about making the wrong decisions and following after God, should I change my careers and go into Bible school and ministry and all of these different things, I told one of the pastors, I wish God would give me a map to which he said to me, if he does, I'm going to punch you in the face. I've told you that story. If you are new and you don't know that story, I'll tell it to you later on. Because the bottom line is God rarely gives us the full download. And even if he gives us an incredible strategy and dream, please believe that as we pursue that strategy and enact and execute that dream, that there is going to be things that are unforeseen and moments and variables and things that will change and doors that will close, that he wants to be right there next to us saying, hey, I got you, trust in me and let me lead you through. God's progressive turn-by-turn GPS is way better than a detailed map, and it takes us to be flexible and to be trusting of God if we're going to receive it. Next, I just want you to say, see this. It's wise for us to confirm God's will, and it's equally wise then to obey it. If we're going to encounter direction and have God lead our lives and listen to him as he moves us along this journey of faith, It is absolutely wise for us to confirm his will and then it's equally wise for us to obey it. Look at what Paul did as he was talking with the team. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia concluding that God had called us. When Paul shared the details of his vision with his team, With his companions, some form of reflection, some form of discussion took place because it's suggested in the word concluding. That word right there that is used, it's a word that means to join together, to knit together, to unite as these men talked it over. This is what I saw. He looked like this and he was saying this and this is what it looked like he was sitting in the setting. This is what I saw from the Lord. As they discussed it, it all came together. It's wise to seek counsel before we make big decisions. And how many of us, if we look back through, the, to the, through, through our history, we could say, man, I wish I had gotten counsel on that decision. How many of us have gone into one too many blunders or issues and, and failings and, and shortcomings or we've just bit off more than we could chew because we never bothered to ask for some guidance? It is wise for us to seek counsel. The word tells us this. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed, Proverbs 15. Before you make a large purchase, before you switch careers, before you begin a relationship, before you relocate, before you give up a passion, before you propose, hello, seek some counsel. Make sure that you talk to some wise people and the wisest of which seek the counsel of God's word, number one. You know, we need to seek God's face and his perspective. Does this decision that I'm about to make, does it, this direction that I'm about to align myself with, does it align to God's word and plans and purposes? See, Paul did not have to to decide certain things because he already knew it wasn't God's plan. I should go out and preach the word of God. I need to baptize people. I need to go out and, and teach them to obey all of God's commandments. I don't have to ask for counsel on that. I know it's right. And so he went and he did that. It lined up to God's word. You know, we need to stop and ask, are my motives in making this decision aligned to God's will? Oh, yeah, it's a great, it's a noble decision, but it's a decision that's aligned to God's will in this time and this season of my life. We need to seek God's discernment and understand that. Additionally, we need to seek perspective from wise, experienced, and God honoring counselors. Doing so is going to ensure that we're not going to live off of impulses. We're not going to be subject to our impulses and and to our own desires and emotions, that we're not going to be clouded by how we're processing something and not be able to gain perspective from someone who's neutral outside of our situation, who's not emotional in the situation, who does not have skin in the game in the situation, but can see it objectively and give us some perspective. Sound counsel will make us more well-rounded when we're making those big choices. It's wise. As soon as they were sure of what God was saying, immediately they left for Macedonia. See, some of us, we've sought counsel. We've asked the Lord, the Lord and we got some perspective. We know God's word, but then we get you know, paralysis of analysis and we just are trying to gain someone else's counsel because we're not ready to act and move forward. These guys, when they concluded, they said, it's now, let's go. There was no search committee. There was, there, there was no committee formed to elaborate this and look at it from every single angle and, and conclude from every different analysis. Like these guys knew enough and they knew it was of God and it was right and they moved forward. There's a balance that is needed on the one hand not to quench the Holy Spirit because if he's leading us, he's got a purpose and a way. And then there's a, another balance that we need to make sure that we're holding fast to that which is good and what is right for the moment. A headstrong Apostle Paul could have completely blown through that door of Asia and said, I don't care, I'm going anyways. And he could have gone against God's leading, but an obedient apostle accepted God's prompting and he waited for the Spirit to show them the timing. And you got to understand that the whole human history, the map of Europe has become totally different ever since he made that choice. The gospel came to Europe and later on it would come to Asia. But it completely revolutionized the known world at that time. Number five, we need to relax when our obedience doesn't quite yield the vision. Look at this with me. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia, and when he arrives in Macedonia, who does Paul meet with? It's not a man. When Paul finally gets into Macedonia, he travels to a couple port cities, and he finally makes his way to Philippi. And when he gets to Philippi, he goes to go worship. They decide, hey, we're going to rest for a couple of days, and then we're going to go on the on the on the day that they were to go to the synagogue, and they're going to go preach the word that has been his custom, and and go and speak first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. He's going forth, and where is the synagogue? It's not here. It's non-existent in, in the city of Philippi. He saw a man from Macedonia saying, "Come, help us." And he arrives there. What does he get? On the Sabbath day, they went outside the city gates, verse 13, by the riverside, and where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and we spoke to the women who had come together. Paul saw a man in his vision, and yet when he showed up, he he got a small group of women. He saw a man asking, come help me. And when he got there, he saw a group of needy women who needed to hear the gospel message. And his first convert in the city, in the region of Macedonia, in the city of Philippi, was not a man, but was a woman by the name of Lydia. His second convert, if we keep reading in the story in Acts chapter 16, his second convert is not a man. It's a slave girl who was demon-possessed and who had the spirit of divination and was speaking things and making money for her bosses. And Paul casts out a demon from her and she is saved. So God showed him a vision of a man and yet here he receives two women. Not only that, after he casts out the demon from that slave girl and he releases her from the clutches of her oppression. She pledges her heart to Jesus. She's no longer useful for her slave masters who have been profiting from her divination. What do they do? These men are troublemakers. These men are rabble-rousers. Let's throw them into prison. Oh, God, I got the vision that I'm going to go to Macedonia and help the people. Uh, God, what am I doing now sitting in prison? Relax. When your obedience to God does not yield the vision, that he gave you as we follow after Jesus there's going to be things he shows us and places he wants us to go and things he wants us to do and dreams he's going to birth inside of us and ideas that we believe is god-given ideas that we're going to execute and yet when they don't quite line up to the vision relax and trust the master say lord you know what you're doing He saved Lydia. Lydia became a hub for him, that place. She got them to come to her house and she was a wealthy to-do woman. And she uh, it tells us when Paul is writing letters to the churches and he's often thinking back of of the Philippian church, he thinks upon them with fondness. Why? Because this is a church that supplied his very need and they were generous beyond his his, uh, request. These guys truly sowed into the kingdom and they allowed him to launch further into the ministry and expand the kingdom of God. The vision didn't quite meet up, but yet it was God's plan. Last thing I'll share with you guys, and we're going to close off and invite you guys to come and respond, is the fact that God finds a way to touch those who have a heart for him. When we look at the story, and we look at the book of Acts, we discover that there are several characters that the Bible describes as God-fearers, people who are longing to live in relationship with the living God, who wanted to encounter the real living God. And so the first chapter of Romans tells us here that we we understand God's left enough in creation, enough to point towards him, enough so that the human heart can say, there's something not quite right with me, and there's something more. I'm responsible to a creator. It's all there. And just as it happened with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, and it happened with the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, here God is finding a way to move and reveal himself to a person who is in need, who is hungry and yearning to meet him. And that person is this woman, Lydia. She was so passionate to hear the Lord. She's going and, and you stop and you consider the details of that place and the details of her situation. In Philippi there was no synagogue. You needed to have at least 10 Jewish men in order to comprom- uh, to constitute a synagogue. There's not even 10 Jewish men within the city of Philippi to actually make up a synagogue. So what do they do? They go to the river. The river is outside of the city gates. It's, it's to a place that's a little secluded. They go there to worship Jesus. They go there to, to, to sing songs and to read the word and, and to pray the prayers and there in that place, ignoring the inconveniences of that place, of the river, being by the riverbed and having the, 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 the noise of everyday life. And, and it's not like a dedicated place, like you guys are all sitting here and you're all glued and paid, paying attention, right? There's all the cacophony of, of life happening around them. There's the inconvenience of mosquitoes flying around and, and animals and, and water trickling by and, and the hot sun beating down on you. And all of that, all of those inconveniences... That special morning, she had no idea she would finally meet the one whom her soul longed to meet. I just praise God that in his plan, as the detours come before us, God has a way of finding those who absolutely want to seek him and know him. He has a way of directing us to the right place in the right time, to the right people in the right plan. You know, Macedonia was in a place that there was a lot of idol worship, a lot of issues, a lot of things. And in all of that, in all of the spiritual oppression that was happening around Lydia, God still made a way to reveal himself to a person who absolutely wanted him. He finds a way to touch those who have a heart for him. They knelt together by that riverbed. They prayed, they worshiped. And that day, this woman drank from a living waters that would quench her soul and never leave her hungry or thirsty again. God has a way of leading us in his plan if we choose to trust and follow after him. I'm gonna invite the team to come up. I want you to contemplate all these things as we just consider this passage in Luke chapter 16. Can you tell your neighbor, God's got an adventure for you. God's got an adventure for each and every one of us. There's an adventure mapped out that he has for us. There's an intended path and an intended purpose. He has a plan. He wants to accomplish some things and he wants to do some things in our lives. And in closing today, I'll offer you an illustration and then I'll wrap it up with an announcement. I was reading and I came across a story. At first, I saw God as my observer, my judge keeping track of everything I did wrong. He was out there sort of like the president. I recognized his picture when I saw it, but I didn't really know him. Later on, when I realized and learned to trust in God, it seemed as though life was like a bicycle ride on a tandem bike. Anybody ever seen one of those tandem bikes? Go to the next page. You'll see it on the slide. God was in the back helping me pedal. I don't know when or where, but at some point he leaned over to me and said, hey, why don't you let me go on the front seat and you hop in the back. And boy, let me tell you, my life has never been the same since. When he took the lead, it was all I could do to hang on. And he knew delightful paths up the mountains and through rocky places, and he would travel at breakneck speeds. My life was never the same. And even though it looked like madness, he would just turn around and say, pedal. I was worried and I was anxious and I asked, where are you taking me, God? And he would laugh, but not answer. He would just say, pedal. And in that process, I started to learn to trust. I forgot my boring life and I entered into his adventure. And when I would say, I'm scared, God, He would lean back and touch my hand. At first, I did not trust him in control of my life. I thought he would wreck it for sure. But he knows bicycling. And he knows how to make the bike lean and how to take sharp corners. He knows how to dodge large rocks and speed through dark passages. And I'm learning to shut up and pedal in the strangest of places. I'm beginning to learn to enjoy the view and the breeze on my face as I travel down with my delightful companion. Just when I'm sure I can't go on anymore, he turns to me and smiles, and he says, Just pedal. Church, for some of us today, this adventure begins with taking the first step of trusting in God. This assurance in the midst of the detours, in the midst of the changes of plans, in the midst of the places where we never thought he would take us or where we would go, it takes us taking a first step to step into the assurance that God has for us. I can say all these things. I can show you of Paul and his experience because this was a man and this was a team that had taken the step to say, Lord, you are truly Savior and Lord of my life, I'm going to trust in you. If you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never said, Lord, I need you as my Lord and my Savior. I want to hop on the bike with you and allow you to take the front seat and take the lead. If you've never done that, you can't experience God's recalculating GPS to lead you into your purpose and plan, to give you confidence and assurance, even in the midst of changes. It starts with your repentance and your confession. And so today, in just a few moments, we're going to conclude our service with prayer and worship. The team is going to praise God and we're going to worship God These altars are going to be open. I invite you to just make your way out of your seat if you have not yet come to know the Lord in this way. I want you to just come and spend some moments with him and we're going to pray over you and pray with you that God would start this adventure in your life. All of us have gone astray. All of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Yet his redeeming unmerited grace and favor says to us, I want to save you and bless you. I invite you to just prepare yourselves, and if you have, but you've lost your way, you've gotten frustrated at the closed doors, you're not quite sure of where God wants to lead you and what He wants to do in this season, I invite you to also come and make an altar up here that you would worship God and seek His face.